in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. everybody welcome to another brand new episode of the top 10 show i am john roca uh, i am matt nost and uh it's good to be here to do another week of the top 10 show we have a a weirder topic for today yes yeah a stranger a little more out of uh, left field um yeah I mean, listen we've been doing the show for so many years now uh, and so we're trying to kind of change it up, have a little fun with it during the pandemic, during the COVID situation. And also uh, these also we hadn't have a lot. We haven't had a lot of films getting released. And so now we're playing around with uh, what top 10 lists we can do, how to still make it movie based and have a little fun with it to make it even more exciting for me and Matt to do as well. Full disclosure. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were kicking around this idea of what to do this week. Um, we thought about doing a year and then Matt suggested, why don't we do the top 10 films of a year, but make it films that we rarely talk about or have never talked about on the show, but still Mm -hmm. some of our best, some of our favorite films from that year. So a good challenge for sure. I had like 25 on my list uh, as I went through the Wikipedia uh, uh, list there released. Yeah. In in, uh, 2011. So we're going to have a little fun talking about that. So if you've got some lists of your favorite films of 2011, let's see if, any of your quietly favorite films end up on our lists uh, as we talk about them for sure. Um, yeah. How, how are you doing overall, man? How are things? Good. No complaints. Nothing really any different this week than last. I get my next uh, shot next week. So nice. Uh, I should be good by the next time we record. It'll be 48 hours afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, we do have, we do have a package. What? Oh, for the first time, and it's been a minute since we had a package. Wow. Yeah, we used to get gifts all the time uh, in the past. Uh, so nice to see that someone remembered that we like getting these gifts. Uh, what do we got? Well, it comes to us from uh, George Menchaca. Oh, shit. It could be uh, a bomb. It could be a bomb. It's the Menchacas. It could be. It feels like a T-shirt. Uh-oh. But it could be a bomb. Okay. Maybe he's updated his bomb game. And I don't know why we are disparaging the man <laughs> so quickly. That's it could be a bomb. Show. That's immediately what you went to was it could be some sort of device intended to end my life. Good uh, times. No. Oh, well, good point. Uh, well, I'm not in the studio with you. That's for sure. It'll just end your life. Uh, he could be returning the shirt. Maybe he wants another size. They finally, he got around to it. Sure. Sure. He, he sent in a note. Okay. And he says, uh, howdy, gentlemen. So let me give you, pardon me, let me give y'all <laughs> some context to these shirts. Oh, two shirts. Oh, that's good. Yes. One for each. For the past nine, pardon me, for the past nine years, I have been a Texas history as well as a football, basketball, and track coach. Really? Oh, one sport I have never coached or thought I would ever coach is soccer. Not only did I never play it, I barely paid attention to the World Cup. While our school soccer coach left at the end of the season and when no one was hired, at the end of the summer, I suddenly and unexpectedly found myself with my first head coaching job. Wow. 
I knew when I took over, we weren't great. But when we did get our first win of the season, I found it was our first win in over 31 games. Wow. We ended up winning four games in all and made the playoffs. (coughs) Pardon me. Very much the Washington football team of our district. (laughs) Since you two were my constant traveling companions for our road games, I wanted to give you both. uh, Pardon me. I want to give both of you our playoff shirt. You guys have created an amazing community with this podcast, especially during the pandemic. And this is just a small token of my appreciation. Really looking forward to this uh, being over and when the top 10 Texas live show will be a reality. But until then, I hope you all enjoy the shirts and that you can now tell uh, people, you know, real life Ted Lasso. (laughs) Respectfully, George Menchaca. Well, now I feel terrible. I accused him of sending you a bomb. I apologize. Sending a bomb. No less. Well, he probably sent shirts that are the bomb. Hello. Hello. What do they look like? And this is for for you people who listen to us on the on the uh, podcast channel. This is why sometimes it's good to go over to YouTube and watch us on the YouTube channel. It is a long sleeve kind Ooh. of dry fit technology shirt, like a oh, workout wow. shirt. Nice little compression. And action. it says Coyotes playoff soccer. Nice. Sorry. You rub it on the mic. <laughs> and then the back. Let's see. The, the back, back is all the player names. Oh, cool. That is kind of badass. If we do a yeah. Texas show, I will absolutely wear it. Is it extra large or large? I, you know, I put on some pounds here, pal. So hopefully there's an extra large in there. Uh, there's a medium and a large, but the. Okay. I have the medium up now, and it looks pretty spacious. Okay. All right. Hopefully, the large will fit uh, when we get around to, uh, to to handing out shirts here. This looks good. Yeah. Look at that thing. Let's see. It's white, too, Machaka. Great. Everybody can see my man boobs. Thanks, Machaka. I appreciate that. I know. I, I've, <laughs> I've tried to buy these shirts in the past. Yeah. Even when I'm in good shape, and they hang in such a way that it's like, mm, uh, <laughs> It's still uncomfortable. Yeah. It's still, you look in the mirror and you're like, no, no, Mm-mm. no. It's like wearing leather pants when you're overweight. You're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect shirt for a kid in high school because fucking metabolism is going 7 million miles a minute. So it doesn't yeah. matter. You got nothing to hide. Get to post, you know, 35 and then come talk to me. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome, though. Thank you so much. They're great shirts. It's high quality. Congrats to your team making uh, the playoffs, too. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, um, I'm glad we could keep you entertained as you were driving around nonstop through all these different games. So he's, sure. so I guess then he's been an assistant football, basketball, and track coach, and teaching history. Man, your schedule is full of coaching, no doubt. I wonder what his favorite then is of oh the four. You can make him choose. Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm saying they not. Of the sport to coach since he's which coaching, is, which is the most fulfilling, which is the one right. he enjoys the most or feels like he's contributing the most amount to. Which is the one that he's good at? Which is the one that he's winning? Yeah. Right. The most at. That's what he wanted. He wanted but as a head coach, look, first win in 31 games. Yeah. That's not bad. You keep this up. Disney will make a movie about you. So it's not completely out of the cards. Uh, George. Yeah. If anybody's listening who needs to hire a soccer coach, I'm available. I just, I'll have to coach from virtual, but I'm available. Just wheel me around. Have someone like wheel me around on FaceTime. And wow. I'll be able to 
And what's, you know, somewhat impressive about that is I believe George is Latino in Texas. You would think the pull of the Mexican league teams would be strong in the communities and that Mm -hmm. he's just not a fan of soccer, never really got into it. It's like, wow, that's because I, and if enough people like back when I was younger were watching World Cup, I would get into mm. it because I like sports. Oh, yeah. So I would watch, mm-hmm. even though I had, I knew the countries, but I didn't know any of the players and I didn't know the long standing rivalries and who was good or not, but it was still exciting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, I was in well, Mexico once when yeah. uh, Mexico was playing in the World Cup. <sighs> so it was bananas. And I was sure like, was. I was like, you know, younger. So it's like, oh, this is fun. Like, everybody's so excited. This is great. Mexico won the game. I can't remember. I mean, it was when the player, the pool game before, you know what I mean? Where they have to figure out their record to see who moves on. Right, 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 right. So was it a World Cup game or World Cup qualifier game? Was it a World Cup game? Did I saw? Yeah. It was a World Cup game. Okay. All right. So they were in that early part of the tournament. Yeah. They're trying to get points and stuff. Yeah. With the best two teams make it out. And then we go into the actual tournament, but they bring in all those. And I was there for one of those in Mexico won it. And it was, it was a boatload of fun. Plus everybody stopped. Yeah. Every single like businesses shut down. Uh, Waiters and waitresses were just staring at the screen Mm. and celebrating with everybody else. And nobody gave a shit. And I I was fine with it. I was like, why not? I get it. (laughs) <laughs> let's have some fun if it's your team yeah, yeah. It, it makes all the sense in the world even though i was there for you know some sort of vacation because i was younger and I, right. not from mexico <laughs> but uh yeah it was like, uh, perfectly understandable it's like wow this is really cool that everybody cares this much yeah um so i just would assume within the community i, I don't know that but the mexican leagues have strong pull here in la true Sure. Well, they do in Texas as well. That's for sure. Yeah. It's just, but maybe But some people just are just don't have a proclivity for it. They just, no matter how much you expose them to it, they just don't like sports or don't like soccer for whatever reason. And yes, there are Latinos yeah. that don't like soccer. You know, oh yeah, I'm safety. not saying I just. I guess but it's like, me projecting onto. I got into Wimbledon as a kid because my family liked it so much. But yeah. if it was just tennis yeah. on, I wouldn't have watched. And then I started caring because there were stakes. So if it's a round, I had no draw yeah. to tennis other than everybody else going. Tennis is cool, and be like, all right, I'll watch tennis. Right. But shout uh, out to Menchaca. I mean, stepping into the situation. I'm sure people didn't want to do it because they had lost 31 games in a row or whatever, and they didn't want to step into that situation and deal with having to try to coach a losing team. That's not an easy thing to do. So trying to turn a program around. A lot, a lot of coaches want to like to turn programs around. That's why we make a big deal about the ones that do because they're uber successful at doing it. So, But you can you know count them on two hands, the coaches you can think of, who are known for turning teams around. Uh, in uh, in uh, sports and professional sports, so it's not an easy job to do because it's a mentality situation, and you have to actually see if your coaching methods yield results. And if they don't, then it looks like you're the reason. So it's a tough situation to walk into as a coach. So shout out to you, Manchaga, for doing your thing and getting them to some victories. Um, I guess what five victories, judging from his letter. So that was enough to get in the playoffs. All right, four victories, uh, I believe he said. Oh, four. All right. Um, yeah, we ended up winning four games in all and made the playoffs. Okay. Maybe they drew a few to keep those kind of points in the in the coffers there uh, to get it to qualify. So shout out to you all for getting in there. It sounds yeah. like you didn't win the first game in the playoffs or else you've been talking about how far you got. So feel the accomplishment that you got there. That's a positive overall. Yeah, it's a huge uh, step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Having... 
especially if four wins get you into the playoffs, means the season is pretty short and 31 games then goes back a decent amount of time. Yeah. Right. I mean, that that's one, one full season for sure in there that they didn't win one game and they tried. Mm-hmm. Um, could be potentially like uh, almost the entirety of one bleeding into a second. Yeah. And then just like we're at 31 games and we've been getting our ass kicked for a while. Uh, yeah, that's oh good for you. I wondered in by taking over the soccer what he had to give up uh, oh, of those other yeah, yeah. assistant good coaching because I can't imagine you have the time to go to their practice and run your practice and worry about preparation for their team and your team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, yeah. well, thank you, uh, George, and uh, congrats on the success. Yeah, absolutely. Much love to you, Bono. Thanks for the shirts. Thanks for the shirts. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. What else is going on in your world, Matt? Anything else to talk about? How do you feel, NBA? We're rat. We're getting closer. How about my Wizards, Pally? You got to start giving it up. Come on. When have I not given? You said I think it was last week. I think we can make it to sixth. And I'm like, okay, well that's that's crazy talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at the standings right look, now. Look, to get to six right now, you need to win every game, and. Every one of those teams above you needs to lose every game. It's frustrating, dude, because we're we've been killing it, man. Yes, and and we are losing to the to the good to great teams. Like last night, we lost to the Bucks by one fucking it was, point. It was a good we game. Lost, we lost to the Mavericks by one fucking point the other day. But yeah. we're killing everybody else we play. Uh, and Westbrook is out of this world right now. Scott Brooks went out there and said he's the second greatest point guard ever. And I was like, what? Well, of course, wow. Scott Brooks said that. What is Scott Brooks supposed to say? It's like Doc Rivers coming out and saying DeAndre Jordan <laughs> should win Defensive Player of the Year and be like, DeAndre's good at defense, but let's dial this back a little, Doc. Let's slow, let's slow down. Yeah, he does it now. He's been doing it. He's pumping up his guys. The co- uh, that's the coach's job. Yeah. You guys have been electric, flat out Dude, electric. I can't believe, and we're doing it with people going down as well. People going down with injuries and whatever, and it's been incredible. I assumed Russell. you guys were going to make the playoffs. Really? All right. Yeah. If you, I know we talked about it on the show because I was like, I got we you did. pegged, man. I got you pegged because yeah. you have two guys. If Westbrook can drag a team that's similar like this to the playoffs in the West, then he can yeah. certainly do it in the East with Bradley Beal's help. That's true. With, yeah, uh, but, with the Thunder, what he did with the Thunder. Yeah. That's a good point. Yep. In the West, he did it. Now he's a little bit older, uh, but at the same time, it's just like he's done this. So I have all the faith in the world that he can do this in the East. It just took them longer to gel to figure out. Right. But I also think that Westbrook's leadership has really helped. By all accounts, It's I've heard enough stories now where he's helped change the culture. Yep. Um, yep. So that could pay huge dividends next season coming back in. And you guys could be a real threat, especially if you can add around the margins. But I don't know exactly what you can do total overall. Um. Yeah. But I think the way this season is ending, then you don't have to worry about Beal leaving in the offseason. Right. And uh, it'll be interesting. But you'll be a tough out. I, I I still think in a best of seven, Yeah, I would favor any team that's above you right now in a best of seven. Well, not, pardon me, any of those top six teams that you're potentially going to have to face off against, I would favor them. Yeah. What are we? Yeah, we're we're right now. What are we, one, two, You're three, tenth. four, five, six. You're what? Seven, five eight. games yeah. back at six. Tenth. Yeah, we're five games back at six. You're right. Yeah, the Celtics yeah. and the Heat. Pacers got a slim lead on you. Yeah. Although but you guys beating them. the Pacers on Monday really helped. 
Yes, yes. Uh, Charlotte's ahead of us. Yeah, uh, you could catch you could catch the Pacers. You could potentially catch eighth too. Uh, but sixth, I, it's you need every one of those teams to lose every game. Yeah, to jump. So. And we got Toronto tonight, and then Indiana again on on Saturday. Yeah, and don't you have a back to back with Memphis? Is that you? Shit, is that it? No, no, we have uh, Atlanta next week twice, then Cleveland, then Charlotte. Uh, is that the end of the season? Is that yeah. the end of the season, bro? Shit. Yeah. That's why there's six games left, so you need to uh, win out. They all need to lose six straight. You're going to make the play-in game. Totally, totally, totally. And if you can make Oop. it to eight, then you only need to win one out of two times. So there's a possibility of making eight. Oh, come on. But you're making come the playoff on. game. Who would we play? So right now at tenth, what what if we stayed in tenth or ninth? What would we have to do? Beat a team. You twice? have to beat. You have to beat ninth, and then because yep. nine plays ten, winner of that game moves on to play the loser of seven eight. Is it and just one to, game? The nine ten game, yes. Okay, seven and eight then, game is one is one game as well, and then we play the two winners play each other to see who goes to the. Play. No, 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 no. Oh. The winner of seven eight makes it. The loser of seven eight plays oh. the winner of nine ten. Oh, so the eighth seed gets two shots. So if you make it to eighth, you only need to win one out of two. That's your real goal, in my opinion. I think we can beat Indiana, no problem. And then the next step is Charlotte has to lose to Miami because I think we can beat Charlotte. And then we get in. And then we play the Sixers. Or okay. you could, yeah, exactly. Or you could jump those other two and then, yeah, you know, you play the Heat, and then potentially maybe it's a one-off game, and you beat the Heat, so you're automatically in. But you only need one or two. Just make it to eighth, and you've you've got at least more of a chance. You're playing really good right now. I, I, I think we could fuck Philadelphia up. I really do. I, you're out of your mind. Uh, <laughs> you don't. You don't have. <clears throat> They have one of the best defenses in the league, man. Ben Simmons will shut down Bradley Beal. And then if you have to, you can sub in uh, Thibel and just put him on Westbrook and be like, who? Who's going to do it? Bertans? Hachimura? Who's going to fucking do it? Nobody. Don't sleep on Hachi. Don't sleep on Hachi. <laughs> no, Hachi's fine, but also Hachi's going to have to D up Embiid. Embiid's Oof. just an offensive force right now. It's like, good luck to Oof. you. Yeah, he is. He really is, dude. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, the Lakers play Clippers tonight. What do you think is going to happen if the Lakers fall into this fucking thing, know. dude? It's all sorts of LeBron wonky. Is LeBron is so pissed. Yeah, it's fine. Of course he's pissed. Yeah. Now that it affects him, I got yeah. some opinions. Oh, really? Where the fuck were you when they instituted this at the beginning well, of the year? <laughs> technically, I think the first quote from him when this was voted into uh, the first time he was asked about it, he said it was it took you know to quote his words, it's whack. <laughs> but I think he has given it some praise in the interim as well. I think it's, I think mm. it's great overall. But I oh, fully understand why why Luca and Mark Cuban three weeks ago or, or a month ago were saying this is stupid, and yeah. now that they're out of that conversation, they haven't made their opinion known. Right. Right. Um, but they could easily fall back in and it gets right back. And I understand their frustration. Yeah. I think that there, as others have pointed out, there should be some sort of mechanism in there where if you have, if you're the seventh seed and your lead is by X number of games over eight, yeah, then you don't have to participate in the playing game. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's crazy. There's a, there's a world where Doc Rivers is playing the Clippers 
for the NBA title. There is a Quite possible, possibility. Yeah. Quite possible. Madness. Madness. And I'm shocked Denver stayed in there after the uh, Jamal Murray injury, man. Shout out to them, dude. Yeah, they've been really good. <sighs> this is going to be fun. This play, I'm, all, I'm trying to watch every game that I can of the playoffs. Like, yep. Starts in a little over a week. So yeah, let's make it happen. Don't put Fuck me on yeah. NBA TV either. Don't put my my wizards on NBA TV. Put us on a decent channel for God's sakes. <sighs> I'm just saying. It's anyway. matchup dependent. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the top 10 films uh, that we have rarely talked about or never talked about from the year 2011. Uh, I don't know how many of them will, 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 will cross over on, but it's going to be a fun list to certainly count down. And you guys get a more samples of what our taste in movies are beyond the top 10 films. Now jumping into some other kind of areas as well, possibly yeah. that might surprise some of you. So it's fun. Yeah, it's a it's a list of what else did I enjoy that year? Yeah, basically, yes. Then it was a great year for movies, and uh, when you look back every you know every once and again and see the years that have like thirty movies, yeah, such a good year. Yeah. It's an impossible year to try and figure out your ten favorites because some of them are mood dependent. Like, oh, yeah. you know what? Given the right circumstances, I much prefer to watch this over this, even though I may agree that that one is a better film. This one's more enjoyable. And uh, 2011, there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, I tried to eschew towards movies that A, either I know I've never talked about, but I don't believe we have, or B, have come up so rarely that it merits some sort of discussion. And that's yeah. how I arrived at mine. It's ditto. Uh, how does how does the show work, Matt? Uh, the show works is I do some and then he does some. And then at the end, we combine the two of our lists to make the shows. And it's magic each and every time. Boom! So That's my job, there we Matt. go. Boom! Thank you. Thank you. Uh, fantastic. All right. Uh, where shall we go, my man? What's your number 10? Uh, my 10 is uh, Jiro Dreams of uh, Sushi. Oh, good documentary, bro. Almost made the list. I already have a documentary on this list, so I was like, I don't want to put two on there, but okay. great choice. Maybe I, yeah, maybe I missed another doc in that year. I, I like it just, it's a discussion of devoting yourself to one purpose in, this, in search of perfection and then passing it on to your kids, but the lessons mm-hmm. that he tries to impart, and I even love the little hook at the end of the, uh, the Michelin star rating. Yeah, uh, It's not like it's some big plot reveal type of thing. It's just at the end, they tell you a small little uh, uh, fact, mm-hmm. you know, a little nugget of truth yeah. about it. And you're like, oh, look at that. And it puts you in an even better mood kind of going out of it because you're fearful of that next generation taking over for such a wildly successful guy. He opened a sushi restaurant that's in a metro station in Tokyo yeah. and then ended up becoming... The only three-star Michelin sushi-only restaurant yeah. in Tokyo, I think, in the world. Um, and uh, so to, to start from like such humble beginnings, but he just consistently tried to refine his craft and find where he can. He's always attempting to improve, and mm-hmm. he's eighty some odd years in the movie, and he hasn't stopped working his yeah. entire life, and that's what's fueling him. But it seems like he's got a tremendous amount of energy and drive, at least from what they show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, it's just an uplifting, nice... 
documentary because a lot of times documentaries are about darker, you know, tales or something terrible happened to this individual or, you know, thinking like Grizzly Man starts off one way, ends another. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's a lot of what captures attention in documentaries. True. And I appreciate True. the ones that are more lighthearted and just, you know what? Here's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot of controversy about a year or two ago because uh, they removed the Michelin um, people moved the um, restaurant off their guide uh, because the demand was so insane um, and they didn't take reservations uh, and all of that. So the Michelin or the, so yeah, they moved it off their guide, which is a big amount of controversy. Um, and then <laughs> even some people uh, were kind of dealing with the uh, issue later, I think in 2020, uh, you know, uh, of some cooked sushi, there was, you know, Chinese students were uh, apparently were claiming that the cook, the, the sushi was cooked and there was a pushback on that. So it kind of from nuts. Jiro's yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, cause they, they do cook some of it. Some things are cooked. Yeah. Well, no, they asked to, they asked to have this cooked sushi oh. and he didn't want to do it. And apparently the students uh, yeah. made, a deal, made a deal out of it. And then eventually the the public like went after the students yeah, and they had them. to apologize. Yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah. They should, it's his place. Yeah. Look, it's, it's what he picked up at the market that day and you're signing up for the experience that he's, it's, it's part of, it's a show almost mm -hmm. at this point. It's a fantastic uh, doc. You're right. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's interesting and it's nice and it's, you know, uh, it's another good movie in 2011. And considering there are four or five others that easily could have made this list, but I was like, I'm pretty sure we've talked about those a few times mm -hmm. and I don't know that we've ever talked about this one. Um, yeah. So I'd say check it out if you like documentaries. Absolutely. Short too. I, I don't even, it marginally qualifies as a movie. It's like an hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes long. If memory serves. If you're a foodie or a burgeoning foodie, it's a great film for you. Absolutely. You can see how it's all being made. You can see the process of it all. And also how he goes about it. Matt's a thousand percent correct. He goes and picks out whatever he, he is fresh that day. And he's going to make it off uh, of that. Uh, and even, I think president Obama ate there in 2014, after the um, documentary mm. had come out. So, you know, that's, that's a big deal. Have a president go and sit down and have some sushi at your restaurant, you know? So pretty incredible stuff, dude. Um, all right. What's your nine, man? Uh, my nine is the adventures of 1010. Oh, okay. Uh, all yours, man. Go ahead. Um, I went into it only really knowing slices of 1010. I remember when, uh, for some reason, when I was a kid, we used to get the FAO Schwartz catalog, even though we didn't live anywhere near an FAO Schwartz. We had never purchased anything from FAO Schwartz. Uh, I only knew it as a, like this, uh, you know, from big type of toy store. It's like where dreams come true as a child. And we used to get their catalog and they had Tintin uh, uh, toys. And I th mm -hmm. that was my first introduction. And then there was the HBO show which I saw a little bit of. Oh, right. Uh, That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, and I, I understand the, the grievances that people have with it, mm -hmm. but I kind of, I like any little archaeological Indiana Jones type of story where you're on a treasure hunt. I'm watching by yeah. and large, because there's so few of those. And this one's uh, entertaining and engaging. And uh, I, the people that say it's kind of boring at certain parts or it drags, uh, I, I don't disagree with you, but I found the experience overall of watching it 
enjoyable. And it's one of the times where the transition and motion capture wasn't taking me out of experiencing the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Cause up until then, you know, watching like Beowulf or oh, yeah. uh, Christmas Carol, like the looks and they look like they had doll's eyes. Beowulf to me is especially bad. Um, I hated it in the theater. It just looks mm-hmm. so artificial. Yeah. So by the time we get to like something like 1010, okay, we are definitely going in the right direction. I, I tried watching Polar Express with nieces and nephews or cousins at one point, and I just couldn't do it because it was too, it creeped me out. It's unsettling. Yeah. Um, I mean, even within those movies, like Christmas Carol, there are moments when it really works, but there's also moments where I'm just like, oh. Uh, whereas Tintin, I, I thought it kind of worked really well for the, the story overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the set pieces they got to do. A nice collabo with Spielberg and Pete Jackson, which is yeah. fun. How often yeah. does that happen? Um, usually doesn't turn out well, according to most public expectations, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, think AI. Yeah. 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 You got Kubrick and you got Spielberg and you're like, wow, this is going to be, and you see it and you're like, no, <laughs> um, at least I did. I Whereas did too, Tintin, but- I, yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. And the fact that I think they're still talking about making another one makes sense to me. You can definitely do something with this property. Yeah. Right on. Um, so that's my nine. Cool. All right. I, I'm going to see it at some point, man. I have never seen it. Um, for whatever reason, it just doesn't draw my interest. But at some point, I got to fill that hole, man, because it's Spielberg. I've got to watch it and, and make yeah. my own opinion on it. So, yeah. It's adventure, you know, swashbuckly, Indiana Jonesy type. Uh, but then you're following Tintin. It yeah. is slow in certain parts. I, you know, the qualms people have with it, I'm not blind to. Right. Right, you um, but we never really talk about it, and I did enjoy seeing it in the theater, and I have seen it since. So why not talk totally. about it? Totally, why not? Uh, all right, what's your eight? Uh, eight is a movie we alluded to last week, but I don't know if we've ever talked about it. The Ides of March. Yeah, that is a punt for me. That is, okay. uh, yeah, in my upper half. Um, so yeah, all right. So then, uh, all right. So that's your that was your eight. Yep. Okay. So then my uh, ten is Paul. Oh, the alien Simon yes. Pegg? Yes. Sure. I absolutely I know we I don't think we've ever talked about it, or maybe we've referenced it maybe a couple times throughout the sure. history of the show. But this one, I randomly rewatched it uh um the other day. I think it was like three or four days ago. It was on. I watched an hour of it. I'm like, this is actually not a bad movie. It's actually a pretty funny movie, and it is chock full of actors. Um in mm-hmm. my so and immediately, of course, in my mind, I'm like, okay, who do I need to remember? You know, for for the showdown, but like I was just watching it, and I was just imp- just forgot how funny it was, how 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 I thought it was a weird concept, and then how it all kind of played out, and all the different people that are involved in it, and of course Simon Pegg, and and uh, was it Nick Frost, uh, and then Kristen Wiig, and Bill Hader, and um, Seth Rogen is the voice of Paul, and Sigourney Weaver is trying to track him down. So you got that kind of meta aspect of her playing of someone who's trying to kill an alien. Yeah. Uh, so, so it just actually was so much more enjoyable than I remember it being. Um, and so I was like, ah, why not? We never talk about this film. Let's throw on the, on the list. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not something I'd run back and watch a hundred percent over and over again, but certainly one that could merit some conversation. Do you remember the film at all? Yeah, I saw it. I thought it was okay when I saw okay. it. And I was like, man, okay. but it didn't, uh, it's kind of, it's inherent in the process of, of filmmaking. Yeah. You're going to make good movies. You're going to make bad movies. And this one was somewhere in between. It's like, I still like all these people. 
Hmm. So I will still see your other works. This one just doesn't resonate with me as much as others. Yeah. Um, especially within comedy. Sometimes, you know, it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. So something can get you and something can't. I'm debating on whether or not Catherine's never seen Naked Gun. And oh, I'm like, if you like this, you'll love it. Yeah. But if you don't, you're going to, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe we'll watch it. Maybe. But anyway, Paul. <laughs> All right, Paul. There it is. If you guys haven't seen Paul or uh, you haven't seen it in a while, give it another chance. You might you might like it. All right. So then my number nine is a film that I've always wanted to talk about on the show, but never quite fit onto any of the lists uh, that I think we've come up with somehow. Mm-hmm. And if I have mentioned it before, it might have been in passing. Uh, Cedar Rapids. The comedy? Yes. The one with uh, Ed Helms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, was that I mean, 2011? That is 2011, bro. And oh, I, okay. I was I was looking through and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I remember absolutely loving this movie. I think I went to see it with my friend Shannon in the afternoon on a Saturday or, or whatever it was going on, whatever day that was. And just I remember going like, this is just a delightful fucking movie. And I'm not the biggest Ed Helms fan, but like I enjoyed him in this movie. And Anne Haish was great. As well, it makes you remember like when Anne Heche was, she had like, she had been on this trajectory to be like a huge star. And then, of course, all the stuff with Ellen happened and that kind of threw everything off for her. So it was nice to kind of remember how much of a talent she actually was. And she's fantastic in the movie. It's great chemistry. He's basically, he's a guy, for those of you who may not have seen it, he's a dude who works at, you know, like a, a regular job, kind of like you would say, like a, a, a the paper store, like he does in, um, in the office, but it's a different kind of job. And he's being sent to this conference so that he can learn how to be a better manager. And everyone is there to kind of learn how to be a better manager. And it's basically the whole movie is him like kind of navigating and meeting people and negotiating this kind of stuff and figuring out where he belongs. And it's just one of those films, like I said, you know, it's not going to get that much fanfare, but it's a delightful film. Uh, And it was uh, great to kind of uh, look at it again and, and talk about it for the show here today. So you Maybe remember? I need to see it. I remember the trailer. Uh, okay. When I saw it, I, the first thoughts I had were "Welcome to Mooseport." And oh I was like, no! Really? Well, it just it was like I don't know. Something oh. felt it felt like it was going to be in, in that type of lazy. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Why are we doing this type of movie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh. Anyway, so I, yeah, I never watched it. Yeah, well, Sigourney, it's another but, Sigourney Weaver. She plays his boss. In the movie, Rob Corddry's in the movie, Thomas Lennon, Kurtwood Smith, Stephen Root, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and John C. Riley. Riley plays his like it's good cast. Suit, his friend who's a little more wilder than he is. Mm. Uh, and so they get into all this kind of stuff as they go along. But it's also him, him like kind of going on this journey about what he's gonna do with his life, what he wants to do next with his life. It almost feels like a dry run to um up in the air, except uh, Ed Helms is not this is not as soulless as Clooney is, is in the movie, at least initially. Um, sure. it's more a matter of like, okay, these two people meet and they have to like him and Anne Hayes had this really sweet kind of romance as the uh, film develops. So I so I, I was recommended it's and it's a quick one. I think it's only like an hour and a half. Yeah, hour and twenty seven minutes. And I think it's the best thing Ed Helms has ever done, <laughs> in my opinion. All right. Well, there you go. Um, all right. And uh, number eight. Uh, eight. Oh, yeah. Who, yeah. Who, it, it, sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Not much else. Wow. I was looking up the director to see if there's much else he did. 
not really much else. Uh, so, all right, let's move on to the next thing. My number eight is the um, the Adjustment Bureau. Speaking of Matt Damon. Oh, that's all Cheers. you. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> Go like right it, ahead, dude. I was bored out of my fucking skull. <laughs> and I wanted John Slattery to have a, a movie career. I love Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Emily Blunt is nothing short of fantastic and everything she's in, everything about it should work. I, I was so bored. Yeah. I I like this movie a lot. I mean, it, it really speaks to me in this idea of like predetermined life versus a life you choose. And it is, um, what is, what is it? What would you call it? It has a otherworldly sci-fi. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. It's a, yeah. Otherworldly. I think it would be the kindest way. To put fantastical it. it has a fantastical natural yeah supernatural yeah. ghosts it's uh yeah yeah something like that uh and basically you know some some i'm sure all of us have had a, a thought especially after the matrix you're like well uh, is there is this a pre-controlled world is this a pre-built uh, world that kind of thing it's a interesting concept to consider at least and this film kind of explores that a little mm. bit more in the realm of love you know is the person we're supposed to be with um, picked out for us and our, our lives essentially planned out for us, whether we like it or not, even though we think we're making these choices from free will, we're actually making these choices because that's the way all the factors have been laid out for us to make this particular choice. So it's an interesting exploration of that. And Damon and I think Emily Blunt have fantastic chemistry in this thing. And Anthony Mackie shows up as someone who is essentially like a guardian angel of Matt Damon. And he battles with John Slattery, who is leading the quote adjustment bureau about this whole situation. And uh, they're fighting because one section wants to keep the world going in a certain way. And the other one wants to break this thing once and for all break the patterns so that humans can make their own decisions for real and determine the fate of the world on their own. So it's very, very interesting stuff for me. I totally respect Matt not liking it, but yeah, it's a film. The premise I, is great. Yeah, yeah. I just thought the execution of it to me didn't translate as well. So fair enough. Fair. Enough. Well, Who yeah, I saw that fucker in the theater. True. Really? <laughs> this is before see. Movie Pass, so I, I, you know, I paid. I was like Matt Damon, Emily Blunt got a new movie. Sure, Josh Slattery, love Mad Men. Let's go. Let me get on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, George Nalfi did this one, and he just did The Banker last year. That one with Anthony Mackie as well. So mm. those are the only two films. Oh, he something did Birth of the Dragon. I don't know what that is. Is that a Bruce Lee movie? No clue. Uh, well, weird. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So these are the only movies he's done. He's done like three movies. So interesting. Um, all right. So that was my eight. What's your seven, man? My seven is uh, another movie brought up in passing. We never really talked about Margin Call. Oh, nice. All yours, man. Go ahead. So it's the flip side of the big short. It's what those massive hedge funds did uh, to screw over the little guys. So what happens is Zachary Quinto is a uh, a number cruncher. Mm-hmm. He's like a former NASA engineer or something, and he started doing this because basically the pay is better. Yeah. Paul Bettany is his boss, and then Kevin Spacey is Paul Bettany's boss. And then they all answer to Jeremy Irons, who runs this whole thing, but you don't see him until later on. So what happens is one guy, I can't remember who plays it. It's a good actor. Mm-hmm. Play somebody. That's Giovanni Ribisi? Is it Giovanni Ribisi? Is that who it is? No, no, no. Person? It's not Ribisi. It's an older okay. gentleman. Okay. 
Anyway, so he's getting fired and he has discovered the fact that they're over leveraged and to a degree that it's going to crush them and potentially crush the market. Okay. And he hands that information off to Quinto. It's like, you need to double check my calculations. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? And then he starts looking through it and realizes what he was had stumbled upon. So then he takes it to Paul Bettany and Bettany tells Spacey and basically just wakes everybody up and gets them back there at three in the morning. And they figure out a way to sell off all their positions. Yes, they're going to screw over everybody else. But A, there's not going to be any prosecutions right for any of these top tier individuals and zachary quinto the one that found it at the end knows the destruction that they wrought and he's brought in by irons into this you know the executive lounge to have dinner and it's literally like satan just pulling up the red velvet it gives you that vibe of they're going to move on fuck the little people that had to pay for this we don't have to pay for it monetarily or by serving any kind of jail sentence we're above the law in this regard. And it's just the disgusting seedier side, as opposed to the altruistic people that saw the fact that the system had gotten greedy and, and tried is, to make is, the system pay. Is Tucci the guy hunting them down or was Tucci the one with the, um, Oh no, I think Tucci, yeah. Tucci is the guy that discovers it and gets fired. Oh, I see. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's been a bit since I saw this one. I remember, I, I think I remember I went to see it at the uh, sunset five and I just was like, Oh, this is one of those films that, there's like no one's going to talk about, but it's pretty badass, you know. It solid cast, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the names I just brought up. Let's see the guy that played the Mentalist, Demi yeah, Simon, Moore, Simon Baker. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, Demi Moore. Those two come in as you know, in essence, like various part of the yeah. Satan's cadre. Jeremy, Jeremy Irons, people that he surrounds himself, the ones that he yeah. delegates to. Uh, types of individual i think jeffrey wright mm. has a small part as one of those okay. individuals as well it could be wrong actually but okay yeah i'm looking at the cast now you're right incredible amount of people um yeah tucci demi moore uh i don't see jeffrey wright so maybe you're thinking syriana okay. maybe or something like that i don't know that it might <sighs> there's asif mandvi He's in this Ramesh Shah, uh, who is great. I love seeing. I'd have to look up. And I'm Ashley like Williams is in this as well. She's I, I like her. She's done a number of things. Yeah, good little good little uh, crew of people, man. Incredible amount of talent all over the place. Mary McDonald's in this thing. So yeah, right on, dude. Been a while since I've seen. Obviously, since I saw it in the theater. And the director J.C. Chandor, who also wrote this thing, he uh, did All Is Lost, the Robert Redford one, where he's out on the sea. Uh, oh, okay. A, sure. a most a most violent year, the one with Oscar Isaac and uh, Jessica Chastain. That's set in uh-huh. I think nineteen eighties New York. He did that Triple Frontier movie, which kind of sucked. And um, apparently, he's doing Craven the Hunter for Sony. So interesting, according to IMDb, at least according to IMDb. So, well, there you go. Uh, there you go. All right, what's your uh, six? My six is uh, Super Eight. Oh, all right. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, bro. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of Goonies-ish for a different generation. Mm. Um, <laughs> Maybe that was my issue. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Well, it doesn't have quite the... It's not the same spirit of fun because yeah. these kids are also dealing with, you know, the trauma of loss of a parent mm-hmm. and then 
another kid's father is the one that did it. Yeah. And him dealing in, there's like the strife at home type of thing. They've got some really emotional moments. The, uh, the scene between all the kids on the train station when they're shooting their little super eight film to make their first like small film, dude, it's a gut punch. And as they build, they have this relationship with this unspoken relationship with the alien that builds over time. And I think it's got a very sweet payoff. Um, yeah, and it has a lot of the the classic J.J. Abrams. They don't show you the alien for a long time. Like you get flashes here and there, mm-hmm. the you know the the type of things that he do, likes to do, where he holds back the secret for as long as he can. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how many lens flares are in it. This was, I think, before he was getting critiqued for those type of things. <laughs> well, I think it's 2011, so I think he's still think using it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was right before Star Trek when everybody was like, okay, enough with the fucking lens flares. Um, I'm, I would guess that there's some in this. But I found the the movie overall, you're really carrying the torch of Spielberg into a new generation. thousand percent. It's such a Spielbergian film. It, it is. really is, dude. Yeah. So to have another generation kind of experience a Spielberg-like film mm. at potentially a pivotal age, I appreciate yeah. it too. They get they get a taste of what I got as a kid and yeah. most of his work from that era still resonates uh, with me. Mm-hmm. Some doesn't like ET, but most everything else from that era uh, I love and will always love. Yeah. I like the movie. It didn't make this uh, pseudo top 10 list, but I like the movie. Um, I just don't remember that. It's something like sometimes you say it's not something I w- would run back to put on again. So I don't remember feeling when I left the theater that, oh, man, I can't wait to watch that again. It was more like, okay, this is his homage to Spielberg, and it was cool. It didn't quite have the same magic as Spielberg, but like you said, it's a good, uh, you know, like uh, for a new generation. So why not? So, yeah, I thought it was a a damn good movie. I forget who's the who are the leads in that. Do you remember who the lead kids are at all? Um, One, the girl, yes, she's been in a hundred things since then. And I'm okay. upset that I'm blanking on her name. Fair skinned, blonde hair. Um, okay. It's not Carrie Mulligan, but kind of looks like Carrie Mulligan. Okay. Um, is it L Fanning? Oh, is it L? Is she in this thing? Yes, it is. L Fanning, yeah. go, Zach Fanning. Mills, Joel Courtney and Ryan Lee. Right. I forgot L is in this thing. That's right. Yeah. Her speech on the train platform is incredible. Oh, okay. tucked into a little kids movie. Well, not, hey. not a little kids, but a young teens, oh, you know, 10 to 14. I think this is primarily geared, geared towards them and yeah. the parents that take them. And is Ron Eldard her, her dad? Is that who he plays? Uh, great character actor that's been in a billion things. Yeah. Is he play her dad? Is he her dad in that yeah. movie? Yeah. Because then, uh, okay. then the other dad is the guy from Friday Night Lights, uh, Chandler. Oh, right. Right. That's right. He's the cop. Yeah. That's and his wife right. is the one that was killed by the drunk. Because right. uh, I think they both work at a steel mill and it was an accident and you really can't blame him. And ultimately it's the catharsis that both those men have to get to between the two of them as Great they're trying point. to save their children. Uh, but you have all this underpinning of, of depression and tension and sorrow, sadness, all of that. Yeah. And these kids, you know, it, it, it really portrays a lot of the angst and turmoil that uh, that you can go through as a child. Yeah, fuck. 
So the kid, Joe Courtney, he's been in the Kissing Booth films on Netflix. Yeah, no um, fucking clue. But I, yeah, no, but I same here. But I no fucking clue. The heavy set kid had good charisma. I was surprised I didn't see him more. Okay, okay. But yeah, she was yeah. easily as, the best of the kids. Yeah, of course. And as you're talking about it, I'm remembering now even more so the plot and that mm-hmm. issue that they had between them because he was trying to. And, and then in essence, they come together to try to save their kids, right? Yeah, yeah. And save the saving the aliens is saving their parents is saving themselves. Right. Um, Because basically they're standing up for what is right. And in movie worlds, right equals might. Well said, man. Well, yeah. In the real world, good fucking luck with that. But (laughs) in the altruistic society that we'd like to portray and believe ourselves to be. Yeah. Right equals might. Uh, So that's my six. Interesting. Good choice, bro. I like that. I hadn't thought about that one in a bit. So, um, all right. Uh, so then my seven is uh, Fright Night, that remake. Uh, okay. Sure. That yeah. is good. That is Damn. good. Dude, I loved this remake. I, and I enjoy the original for sure. But this remake, I went in, I was like, all right, let's see if it's any good. And yeah. I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, uh, Colin Farrell, Anton Yelchin. Uh, Christopher Mintz Plaza and um, Tony Collette playing the mom. And I forget mm. who the, the, the love interest is for the, the dude, but like overall, I just, I remember watching this film being like, this is actually damn good. Like I almost forgot that it was a remake. And then you have David Tennant coming in as the magician or whatever, or the, the, I think the Roddy McDowell character. Yeah. The right. Yeah. The slayer. Yeah. And so all of it all around, I think it, it played with the right tones it had the right amount of humor. It had a good amount of horror. Colin Farrell was scary as fuck mm-hmm. uh, in what he played. This relentless vampire. Yeah. Um, and as it progressed, you it it felt very natural that this would be the thought processes of the people involved. It didn't feel like, oh, you know, the script says I should act this way here, so I'm going to act this way here. It felt like it was very well organically done until they all realize that the kid was right from the beginning and they're freaking the fuck out, you know? And there's a scene oh, yeah. in the car where he like comes through the bottom of the car. He was like, Holy shit. So uh, it's pretty badass, And as I remember it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great call. I had such low expectations. I didn't see it until years afterwards. Cause it was like, oh. I don't like horror. And I yeah. remember enjoying fright night, but it was fine. It's not, to me, the campiness is why people watch it to this day. Right, right. Um, and Sarandon, he's pretty great. Anyway. Yeah, oh, yeah, Chris Sarandon, that's right. He's fantastic. He's, yeah. Uh, but it was also during a stretch of Colin Farrell's to me. Like, I went and saw Total mm. Recall when it came out, and oh. I didn't enjoy it at all. Dude, and yeah. no. I wanted nothing more than to like him. And it was kind of after I... Then he started putting out movies that I loved again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go back and revisit that. And I watched it. I did enjoy it. I just didn't think about it for this list, but it's good. It's really good. Surprisingly yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Imogen Poots is the uh, actress yeah. in that film. Imogen Poots. My bad. She's, you know, very. She acts all the time. Dave Franco's in it too. I forgot Dave Franco's in this mm. thing. Uh, and it's by uh, Craig Gillespie, who uh, did I Tanya. So. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting departure. 
This guy's got an interesting career, man, because he starts with Mr. Woodcock, that Sean William Scott film with Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton like, plays a PE coach, yeah. some sort of coach. And then he does Lars and the Real Girl. And it's then a solid jumps- movie. Yeah, I liked Lars and the Real I, I did not mm-hmm. want to Dude, I was like, this is going to be Ryan Gosling. I thought it was going to be yeah, weird for the sake of weird. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, this is actually really yeah. well done. Uh, I did the same thing to- with Farrell. I did it to Gosling, where it's just like, yeah, you're handsome. I get it. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just like, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're good in your roles, but you're handsome. And I don't know how much depth you're providing. And then right. they do something. You're like, nah, you're you're good at this. You're really good at this. <laughs> you, you, like, you are good. Yeah, yeah. Kate Winslet. It's like, oh, yes, right. you're attractive. And then you see it and you're like, no, she's just really good at this and happens to be attractive. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Charlize. Very handsome, but it's Charlize. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway. Yeah, he went from this to Million Dollar Arm, which apparently is a damn good sports movie I've never seen. Neither. Then, is that the John then- Hamm one? Yeah, the John Hamm one. Then he did the finest hours that Chris Pine won. That's good. It's not great, like it? but it's gets good. Okay. All right. I gotta catch it. I have never seen it. Yeah. Look, don't expect more than you know exactly what the movie is. It's a serviceable it, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't because you from the moment they set it up, ship yeah. gets marooned, their coast guard, nobody's going out there. Gee, I wonder what happens. Right. Um, and you get that from the trailer. It doesn't reach like crescendo like highs when it gets to the 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 cathartic, you know, moments of yeah. the achieve what they're trying to achieve. But yeah. it hits it hits all the beats. It's it's a solid movie. Yeah. Then it does Itanya, and now he's got uh, Cruella, which is coming out later on. Okay. In a couple of months, yeah. and then apparently he's doing the Iron Mike one about uh, Mike Tyson. This Iron Giant meets. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> meets yeah. Magic Mike and it just sexy robots stripping. Oh yeah, oil dripping out of places for no reason because it's <sighs> just glistened. You, know, you just pissed off half the audience with that, <laughs> that visual. <laughs> Which half? The Iron Giant loving half or the Magic yeah. Mike half? Uh, that's a good point. I don't know. Maybe the Iron Giant half. Because I think that's both funny. halves could find something they like in this. I suppose so. So. Still got the dancing you love, Magic Mike, the chiseled bodies, still robots, and they're good. So super here to man. save humanity. <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right, then my number six is um, uh, 50-50. Uh, okay, I thought we had talked about it, so I didn't put it on. Oh, okay. Maybe we haven't. That's why I was like, I don't know, and I figured you might. there might be a chance you had it, so go for it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at the risk of possibly getting it struck off the list, I no, I put it on there just. I can to use the rest real quick. Okay. All right. Really enjoyed this movie. You know, as someone who's uh, lost their father to cancer, uh, the stuff that you're watching. And this was seven years before I lost my dad to cancer, but I remember watching it and feeling like this is such a real portrayal, a real interpretation of what this experience might be like for a couple of young dudes. And yeah, they set up the trope where his girlfriend isn't really that understanding because she, she kind of has to be moved out of the way so he can find the girl that he is, uh, uh, who is supposed to be with him. Kind of like Ed Wood, right? Getting uh, what Sarah Jessica Parker out of the way so he can be with Trisha Arquette. It, it, that's just kind of how that went with that story. But overall, it's about the relationship between this guy and uh, between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen, two best friends. One has cancer. How do you deal with it? Is it a constant, like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Or is it kind of, let's let's just try to get on with life as this thing progresses and try to see how we can, like, you know, find some humor in it, try to exist without being sad all the time. Uh, 
Uh, and then what happens to you as you change um, uh, because of the cancer, like not only physically, but also mentally, like how you start to savor more of the world because of it or your anger. Uh, so I thought it was a very real, honest portrayal of what the situation is without losing the humorous aspects uh, that you need to have in order to survive a diagnosis like this. So that's why uh, I recommend it all the time to people. It's such a great damn movie. Um, there you go. Yeah. Um, so that was your six. That is my six. Yes. Uh, what's your five? Uh, my five is the beaver. Oh, the Mel Gibson one. I've- all right, man, go ahead. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I remember when they announced it and it sounded crazy, but Mel was also at the height of his public crazy at that point. And this was kind of rehabil- rehabilitating his image. But, uh, is it Jodie Foster directed? Yes, it is. I believe. So the, the premise of the movie is a guy basically has a psychological collapse. And one of his coping mechanisms is he has a beaver puppet that he has created another personality with, and that can voice some of the things that he's going through and be the type of individual that he doesn't feel that he can be and uh, how some people accept it for what it is and others battle against and want to break through the exterior that he's creating with this beaver. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting kind of delve into... it, It made something on its face that seemed ridiculous be believable. Yeah, I could see someone using this as a coping mechanism to try and reformulate how they interact with the world. Yeah, um, and I, I, it seemed like kind of a nice metaphor for where Mel was mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I couldn't wait to see it once I finally got my hands on it, and I watched it, and uh, I enjoyed it, and I have watched it since, and I will watch it again. Yeah. Matt, I, I, you know, I don't disagree with you. And I know people might come after us for, you know, like appreciating some of Mel Gibson's movies. And I, and I, and rightfully so. I totally understand that. I think we all have our subjective approach to every one of these situations as they pop up. But like, uh, I liked this movie. It was such a surprisingly incredible film. Um, and especially acting wise by Mel Gibson, incredible form- performance. Yeah, um, and I thought I thought Jodie Foster has really come a long way as a director. Obviously, Little Man Tate was a great first film for her, and I found a couple of the other films eh, not a hundred percent on board. And then this kind of came out, and you sense like there there seemed to be a real kind of labor of love, and her wanting to kind of in essence save her friend Mel Gibson uh, in some way through the movie. And so, uh, really interesting uh, layers happening for this film, and I think Jennifer Lawrence is in the film as well. Um, so mm. I was just surprised at how deft they handled the the stuff that they handled in the movie because it could have copped out with an easy like lifetime ending or lifetime story, but it's actually way more tender than you would think. And for people who might hate Gibson, you're messing out on a good movie, but I respect you not wanting to watch it, but you're messing out on an actually damn good movie. Yeah, I, I understand your reservations. Mm. Um but it doesn't, I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't enjoy the movie. Yeah. Uh, I did. And it's just never going to come up on a list. Yeah. That's a fair so, point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another, another yeah. So that's my Good one. All right. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's with his son. I forgot about that. Yeah. The late great. 
the late great Anton Yelchin. Um, uh, so my number five is uh, Puss in Boots. Okay, go for we, it. We haven't talked about that one, I don't think, for anything. So I'm throwing that out there because uh, I absolutely love it. It's actually my favorite Shrek movie. No lie. It's my favorite Shrek movie. Um, and I know it's a spinoff of Shrek, but Banderas is just so perfect to play this character. And the way they lay out the story going back in, I think it's going back in time and how he became this thing that he became, the legend of Puss in Boots. Mm-hmm. I think Selma Hayek does a fantastic job voicing over the character she does. Zach Galifianakis as Humpty Dumpty is hilarious. Um, and uh, the story here, and the, of course the story of the Golden Goose and all that, but the story here is about their friendship and how they were together until a moment happened and that moment kind of turned one evil and sent one into a path of being this legendary hero. Uh, and it's actually really, really well done. Very sweet, very funny. Okay. Um, and it's in my opinion, it's kind of the best of the Shrek kind of universe movies. Um, okay. Overall, that's just my opinion. I liked it a lot. So there you uh, go. Yeah, I've seen it, but I have, it was on with uh, nephews and nieces once. Ah, so we were playing, it was on in the background. So I've seen, I've seen it, but I haven't yeah. seen it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I think, yeah. Chris Miller directed this. And what else did he do? He he did Shrek the third. Wow. Okay. Those are the only two films he's done. Interesting. All right. There you go. Chris Miller, Puss in Boots. Go see it. That's just my recommendation. All right. What's your four, man? Uh, my four is, um, I don't know if I know I brought it up one other time. Mm-hmm. Uh, goon. Oh yeah. The, the hockey movie. Scott one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead, man. Uh, him leave Schreiber, Jay Baruchel. <sighs> struggling to think who else was in it was in it. I'm sure if I pulled it up, I could find it. Allison or, pill, yeah. Eugene Levy, Eugene Levy. There you go. Mm. Um, yeah. So Scott is this I don't want to say like anyway, somebody on the outskirts of hockey and eventually figures out that his role could be enforcer and comes in and becomes like the new guy on the block type of thing, but he's he's struggled for an identity and also to feel like he's had some success in this world. Mm. Like his parents push back at this idea, but then eventually he finds that he is good at this and he gets into the league and leave Schreiber is basically the reigning goon. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a battle between the two of them. There's like this respect between <laughs> them, but at the same time they're going to kick the shit out of each other. Right. And I, I like him so much, Scott, that like between this and uh, was it the runaway? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the rundown, the rundown, the rundown. There you yeah. go. And uh, role models, mm-hmm. and I've I've liked a few of his offerings. You know, Bulletproof Monk is fine. <laughs> oh my! Wow! Yeah, yeah. He's got a few others which is like, oh, okay. But I've always found him likable and charming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to get him to take off more than he did. Yeah. Uh, but I I discovered Goon years later, like on a streaming service or something, and it was like, how did I not know this existed? This is so much fun. Yeah. It's somebody you can easily identify with, even if you don't watch the sport or whatnot. It has really nothing to do with the sport. The sport is the basis by which you're understanding the emotional journey of this individual. 
Mm-hmm. It's got some good laughs in it. I think it's just a fun movie overall. And yeah. uh, I have now since watched it more than once since my you know previous viewing. So yeah. I was like, dude, I Goons made the rotation pretty steady here in the past <laughs> like six years. So it deserves merit making my list more than some of these others that I've only seen, you know, twice. Well, you know, there's a sequel. I did not. It's called Goon Last of the Enforcers. Uh, and Jay, Jay Baruchel co-wrote the one you're talking about, Goon, with Evan Goldberg. He usually works with Seth Rogen. And this time he comes back to direct it and also write it. Um, <laughs> a hockey player plagued by injuries is confronted with a possibility of retirement when a tough new player challenges his status as the league's top enforcer. So basically, it seems like he's become the Lee Schreiber character now in the sequel, from what you're describing. Because I haven't seen this. Okay. From what you're describing. I haven't seen, yeah, I haven't seen the follow-up. So, yeah. Allison um, Billback, Lee Schreiber is back. Wyatt Russell comes in, homie from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm. So there you go. So uh, you've got some watching to do, <laughs> Although I don't think you're going to see the sequel. I, have a feeling. But I don't think so either. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to watch it. I got to watch it. Everyone, a, lot good, of people, good, you know, a lot of people have said it's actually kind of interesting and funny. It's and fun. it's actually sweet, it's too. Good, in, in yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So then my number four is the punt from earlier, brother. The Ides of March. Oh, wow. Four. I fucking love this movie, dude. It's on rotation. It's of a... a, a I like politics movies, really do. Mm-hmm. Um, this is up there in, in, in my in my uh, politics watch rewatchability. Clooney does a great job with this one. Uh, everybody brings their fucking a game. I think it's one of the most brutally honest uh, films about politics. Um, uh, you know, we talked about Paul Giamatti in this thing last week, I think, or two weeks ago, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's incredible in this. Evan Rachel Wood is fucking heartbreaking in this um yeah. that scene in the kitchen uh between clooney and ryan gosling man it is some some heavy stuff yeah. weighty stuff and then what you find out what happens throughout the with these characters like uh, dude we talk about right i would put this fucking on right now it's so good and so well acted and so well written and i think it belongs not in the same level as Good Night and Good Luck, obviously for Clooney as a director, but it's okay. in it's in the basket with that movie of 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 some of his best ones that he's ever directed. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoy this movie, man. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, you know it, it's it's good. You get good performances from Clooney, as you mentioned, and Gosling, mm-hmm. Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, let's see, one dude that was in the Social Network work. Was the Winklevoss twins in oh, him? Max Minghella, right? There you right, go. right, right. Yes, yeah, he's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffrey Wright, Giamatti, Phil Seymour Hoffman, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's just it's a little bit lower to me because it stacks up against other politicals, and also it's kind of like a straight line. Starts mm-hmm. at A, but even the once you find out what. It doesn't yeah. really deviate f- through. There's kind of an understandable through line. Um, and usually in these political thrillers, there's a few more twists and turns. Yeah. And this one's yeah. just kind of point A to point B. It's a little truer to life more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a good movie, though. 
Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't seen it, can't remember, and you like political films, can't recommend it enough. Can't recommend. It's not Wag the Dog. It's not you know uh, some yeah. of these other great ones like the, uh, All the President's Men. But I think it's uh, a good one to watch. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, what's your three, man? Uh, my three is more than likely not going to be on your list. Uh, Immortals, the Henry Cavill. I really enjoyed this movie. It's terrible, and I I really enjoyed this movie. You're son of a bitch. You're a son of a bitch. All I, right, knock yourself out. <laughs> what is he doing eating peanuts? They didn't even have peanuts back then. Anyway, I don't the, oh, really. That's the anachronism that we're going to focus on within this fucking movie. You either accept it as an homage to Greek plays, in essence. <laughs> homage, yeah, sure. Uh, well, it's sure. A, you know, it's a, you got Theseus <laughs> and you've got. You got you know, they, uh, they, they 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 grab aspects of you know Greek dramas yeah. and stories and kind of make this hybridized version uh, that I kind of find wildly engaging. All the hyper realism, the the over the top choices they had to make, considering the stakes of what they're talking about. It's yeah, it's over the top, all right. You're it is. It's over the top. Right. It makes more sense to me on some level than. Clash and Wrath of the Titans, which I'm oh. also a fan of. Oh, I like those movies. Yes. What the fuck is happening? But I understand. Oh my god! Wow. Everybody okay. that makes fun of them, I every criticism you have, I get. Right. Right. You One thousand totally percent. I yeah, still yeah. enjoyed it because I like these stories. I like seeing these characters on screen. I like yeah. the exploration of myth and mythology and the creation, like the ideology that that the Greeks took, the Romans stole, and then yeah. you know slowly became other things thereafter. Uh, I like Henry Cavill. It's a lot of Mickey oh, Rourke great. to me. Is, oh, man, uh, it's full uh, on ham. It's full on ham, full, son. You kind of need it. This guy wants to kill the gods. And by doing that, he needs to get this mythical bow from a, a pre that has been lost to the sands of time. That it was yeah. a God's weapon. Uh, and, to release the Titans to take down the gods to avenge the loss of his family. Only in Greek tragedy can something like this happen. Yeah. So all, everything that you tell, oh, what about this? This is stupid. This is terrible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I concede everything. I Exactly. I am not going to fight for everything you're bringing up is 1000% correct. I still enjoy the movie. And uh, yeah. I... I have watched it several times since it came. I saw it in the theater. Wow. Um, yep. It, I just, I enjoy it. I will watch damn near any Greek or Roman, but especially these Greek tragedy, these Greek dramas, the old stories, the Homer-esque uh, stories, I am a fan of. We found you, We found your weakness. Greek what, yeah, one of many. <laughs> so that's my three immortals. I knew it wasn't going to be on your list, and I'm utterly no. fine with that. But the guy's a good director. I like that. He's, he's, he's a great eye. Uh, Tarsum Singh, he's a fantastic eye for as a director for the visuals of a movie. Certainly, there are some really fucking stunning visuals in Immortals. As much as I, and I'm laughing because it's just like, I'm just surprised by Matt's love of the movie. But like, the, overall, the visuals are incredible in the movie. Um, he also did The Cell, which again, not a, not a movie I like necessarily, but you can't no. deny the visual concepts and the construction of what he's putting on the screen and the fall, which is an awesome forgotten film as well from 2006. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
a kid's going. I through. look at, yeah, I look at the cell more than likely the way you look at Immortals. Uh -huh, yeah, no, I don't like the cell. I'm saying me that, either. Yeah. But the visuals are stellar. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting to delve into the mind of, and I understand what you're trying to do, but it doesn't really speak to me. Yeah, yeah. But it is hyper-stylized and interesting to look at. Yes. Uh, whereas that, that to me, is, works really well for mortals. But I, once again, I understand. Go ahead. What's that your is, three? Thanks, great. <laughs> All right. My three is, um, uh, oh, the, uh, my, the documentary I have, uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest. Oh, okay. That one's... That's a fucking great documentary, man. Just because uh, Tribe Call, I mean, we all can claim how much we love Tribe Call Quest and enjoy it, enjoy their music. But like getting the behind the scenes stuff between Q-Tip and Fife Dog and seeing Fife Dog talking about his journey. And I think he died either. Am I frozen? Oh, okay. Yeah, you're frozen. It happened. Am I okay now? No, Am it's I it's happened a couple of times, but usually it went yeah. away after a few seconds. So I didn't say anything. This okay. time has been the longest. You're uh um, pixelated a little bit now, but you're moving again. Okay. I, I forget sometimes I have to get out of certain programs. Oh, eating up too much. Yeah. yeah I forget. PCU. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, how about now? Am I okay now or should I go back out and come back in? Um, no, no, no. You're, you're good enough. Okay. Now. I would say you're about 90 to 95% clarity. Okay. All right. Um, anyway, yeah, this is, I mean, let's like get in the behind the scene. I think he, as I was saying, I think he died. Fife Dog did either just after the documentary came out or while they're making the documentary. But anyway, just incredible exploration of what these guys went through to build this brand. And then the, they could not come together. They just could never find that place uh, on the same page. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like, you know, we've seen the rock and roll bands, of course, but in rap, you don't see too many documentaries about like that Beastie Boys documentary was like, you know, they just got along. They would occasionally have a difference of opinion, but they most of them all got along. In this, this is where you see two very strong-headed people who have two different approaches to what they think works. And it's one of those classic things where one takes the lead because the other one wants to criticize the person taking the lead, but doesn't really want to take the lead, just wants to feel like they're taking the lead. And so it was like interesting to watch that whole dynamic work out through this uh, uh through and of course the third person in tribe called what he's going through watching this all happen um so you know i, I thought it was a fantastic document Ra i think Rappaport did the uh direction of this thing and, and look i'm mm. no i'm not the biggest fan of of michael Rappaport at times as a person and the things he gets into but um i'm pretty sure he did the direction on this if i'm not wrong I, it sounds like you're right honestly Yes, he did. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. I never Ali. saw it, but I Go ahead. I, I yeah. remember the the, the build-up to the release of it. He was out pounding the pavement for it. That's right. Yeah. Ali Shaheed Muhammad is the third person. Sorry, all you Q-tip people. So, or all you uh, Tribe Call Quest people. Sorry about that. Yeah, but the Beastie Boys are in this thing. Quest loves in this thing. Ludacris, Mary J. Blige. They talked to a bunch of people about it, but it's just a phenomenal exploration. And I, I, I recommend it highly, dude. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a damn good document. They don't pull punches either. They show, you know, because even Rappaport gets into it, I think, with a couple of them as they're shooting a scene, as they're shooting something that's happening in, in, in their worlds in real life. Uh, so, yeah, pretty, pretty stellar stuff. If you haven't seen it uh, and you're a Tribe fan, uh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, okay. All right. What's your two? Uh, my two, I don't know how often it's come up. I don't think it's come up for me. Okay. But it might have come up for you. Uh, horrible Bosses. 
Oh, yeah. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Have we talked about that a lot? I, I don't think so. I, I have to say I don't think so. Um, I think my favorite part of the movie is Colin Farrell. He's so great as the oh, over-the-top yeah. spoiled cokehead who just wants his – basically wants the – beach retirement that his father's company will provide him once he can sell this thing off and get, get unshackled with this because it's not what he wants to do with his life. He just wants to lounge and do nothing. (laughs) And him and Zadek is interactive. You have the Charlie day, Jennifer Anderson, uh, you know, sexual abuse, harassment, flip flop. She's the dentist and he's the hygienist helping and she is harassing him. And then you have uh, Bateman and Spacey, I believe. Isn't it Spacey's yeah. his boss? Yep. Spacey, yep. Yeah. Playing the dick boss again. Um, <laughs> it's really good at that. It's really good with that. <laughs> but I think my, yeah, my favorite when I go back and watch it I is, is Colin Farrell. But going into it, I didn't want to like it. Yeah. Um, Ted Lasso has really turned me around on Sudeikis because I didn't find him funny. Mm-hmm. Although I didn't watch SNL, I haven't watched SNL in so long. Yeah. Um, so I only saw sporadic clips and I did like occasional things from here or there, but I was like, I don't know, the guy doesn't seem funny to me, but I I hadn't given him a fair shot because I hadn't been watching SNL. So I don't, you know. Right. Um and uh it was kind of part of the Bateman resurgence. Mm-hmm. And Charlie Day was, you know, the big star coming off of It's Always Sunny in Philly, and I liked Philly, right. but I was like, I, I don't know about this. I don't think it's gonna be good. And then I didn't see it. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it uh, whenever it was on streaming. Yeah. Surprised by how engaged I was, how comedic I found it. I liked Mm -hmm. all three of their characters and the different arcs that they go on to and dealing with all the nonsense that they have to deal with. Plus all those other actors coming in and providing these, these great partners within their scenes to be catalysts for the frustrations that they're feeling. And it kind of sends them off on this other adventure. Right, Right. Um, but top to bottom, just really well executed. I okay. uh, I have not seen the sequel. Yeah, Horrible Bosses 2, T-O-O. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't Christoph know if Waltz. that's any good. Yeah. I heard it was um, not, but I don't know. <laughs> it did not get the best reviews. You're right about that. Um, uh, yeah, this is a fine comedy. I, I don't uh, Obviously, I don't uh, uh, revere it in the same way that you do, but certainly there are some funny, funny moments and Jenner Aniston is hot as hell in this movie. Holy mackerel. Not that she's not always beautiful, but this is like fully. She ended up for the character. Certainly did. And she like, it's so funny to see that character when you go watch old friends episodes and see her there and then see this character. This is a woman. Do you know what I'm saying? Like using her power uh, over poor Charlie Day, which is really because he's such a, he's so messed up by it. Um, But yeah. yeah, uh, Good. No, no, I was just saying, and, and Spacey's like a uh, full on, just a uh, full on what he really is, actually, probably in real life, I imagine. So, yeah, and that, and that, it was really cool to see. Yeah, she has him over the barrel because he drunkenly peed at a children's playground and got slapped for indecency with minors or something. I can't remember what the charge was, <laughs> yeah, but it made him tough to employ. Uh, so he felt as though he couldn't leave the situation. Uh, uh, so funny. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my two. All right. Uh, my two. I don't know, dude. My two and one. If you want to strike them down, feel free. I don't remember if we talked about him that much. Uh, my two is the gray. Have we talked about it a lot? I, I kept it off because I, I assumed we've talked about okay. it a lot. 
Okay. All right. So I, I can take it off um, and I can put attack the block on there. Okay. I kept it off because I know attack the block has made at least two of my lists. Oh, okay. All right. But I'm, if you haven't brought it up, I think that's perfectly valid. Um, I got one more I can throw in here. Your call. I don't care, man. You can put on the gray if you want to. Okay. All right. I'll put on the gray. Okay. I'll just I'll st- no. Uh, well, have we done? Yeah, we've done. Uh, yeah, I've got all. I'm looking through my stuff, and I'm trying to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd have to say the gray. Oh no, actually, you know what? What about young adult? Have we talked about young adult ever? I don't think we have. The Charlie's there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'll make no. that my number two then. I think that qualifies. And yes. That film does qualify as a two over everything else. You guys have to understand how we put these lists together. But um, uh, that film is is uh, a, a fucking mind fucking a half, man, because she's going back. She's a messed up person uh, who really is, in essence, a sociopath. And she's going back to her co- uh, high school, I think, town. Mm-hmm. because She's got some shit going on in her life, and she's trying to like figure out what to do next. And so she's running to that town. Um, and there is no arc. Let me just warn you now. There is no arc if you've never seen this movie. She is the same person at the beginning of this movie than she is, and she is at the same, uh, sorry, at the end of the movie, the same person. But all the shit she goes through and the destruction she wrecks through that town is uh, pretty insane. And Pat Oswalt is a guy who always had a crush on her in high school. And eventually they end up having sex eventually, finally, for him at least. And what that yeah. means and like all of that. So it, she's a brutal, brutal character. And to see Charlize play this kind of character, and this is because she's beautiful. It's because obviously she's attractive, but she's a messed up person. Um, and she just kind of slams into everything while she's in that town and then rolls out of that town. Uh, such an interesting movie and a gutsy movie. Uh, Diablo Cody wrote it. Um, and I think I, I Jake... Reitman or one of the casting? I just remember that Diablo Cody wrote it. I couldn't tell you yes. who directed it. I think it's one of the one of the Reitmans of the cast. Yeah, Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman did mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, Patrick Wilson. Yeah, right. Patrick Wilson is in this thing. Um, uh, and it's just an interesting little film. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's pretty uh, powerful. So yeah, soon she's, uh, yeah, she's gone through a divorce. She became famous as a fiction writer. She's heading back to her small town in Minnesota because she thinks if she gets back together with her ex-boyfriend from high school, this will help save her life. But he is like happily married with a new child. And so she spends the whole time there trying to fucking yank him out of that marriage. So she's not a good person. It's a yeah. challenging protagonist to have in a film like this. But there, And it's, it's a black comedy. There's a lot of dark humor in it. But overall, just a fantastic film. And she's, she's fucking horrible, man. But... You can't take your eyes off her when you're watching it. So, um, she is good right. at her craft. Yeah, she is. Uh, uh, what's your one, brother? Or do you have anything to say about that? Sorry, sorry. No, no I think you encapsulated that okay. movie. Okay. Uh, one is Limitless. Oh, right. It's technically ever come up on. I know we've. Hmm. It's come up in other discussions of other things. And like, oh yeah, what about Limitless? Uh, but I can't because I don't believe we've ever done Bradley Cooper. So I. Yeah, I don't think we have. Yeah, I don't know what other list it would make it on. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe De Niro, but, but I doubt it. I doubt it. His part yeah. is so small on this. Would you even consider? You know, he's got too many movies. That's a good point. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, the, the the thing is, 
you have an idea of where it's going. Mm -hmm. And I think personally, the payoff of even knowing the beats of it were really excellent. Yeah. Like him, in essence, he's an average dude and gets this pill and then suddenly turns into almost a human computer and can Mm -hmm. calculate the angles, positions, and all that stuff. And he's five steps ahead. And as time progresses, it's kind of like a uh, phenomenon mixed with flowers for Algernon. Yeah. It's going to, he's going to get smarter and smarter, but it's going to either burn him out or kill him yeah. type of situation. He's going to flame out. Um, but the beats and progression of that, I think it builds nicely throughout. And what I thought about the movie, I did know. I, you know, pardon me. What I thought I knew, it was okay that I knew the, the structure of it because mm-hmm. it succeeds so well. It's like finest hours. You know where this thing is kind of going. Right, right. And to me, it hits the beats of it so so much more successfully that the overall enjoyment increased. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a early cementing of Bradley Cooper being able to lead a movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, I don't know. I just, I thought it was quality. I don't know how many people have seen it. And of these, it's the first one that I would watch given this list of all the movies that we never really talk about. And that's why it made my number one. I think qualitatively, a lot of these could be kind of interchanged. Oh, yeah. Um, it's obviously not the best movies of 2011, but of movies we never really talk about, this one is is the one that I think I can rewatch the most. So that's why it made my number one. Okay, done and done, man. I like it. Uh, I have to see it at some point, man. A lot of people tell me it's a damn good movie, um, and even the series apparently was really good too. And I haven't mm. seen that either. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's worth your time for sure. Yeah. All right, so then my number one. Um, and if we brought it up, I'm still going to make it my number one uh, is uh, Haywire. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I saw it again uh, a couple of weekends ago, literally just sitting on the couch, uh, had finally had a little bit of a break on a Saturday, doing nothing. Girlfriend's yeah. out in the backyard, fucking hanging out in the sun, flipping channels. And it's just as it's starting in the uh, in that little diner. And I was like, that's ah, been a fucking bit. Let's take a look at this thing. And loved it fucking loved it man tight 90 minutes Soderbergh is such a great director and yeah Carano uh she doesn't do they, they dub her entirely Laura San Giacomo does her voice but mm-hmm. it was great to remember all these fucking guys as well in the movie you've got Banderas you've got Bill Paxton Ewan McGregor Michael Douglas um and a couple other people in here that you're just like this is a very talented cast uh, for her first movie, and that she has some great fight sequences, and her scene yes. with Michael Fassbender in the hotel. Holy shit, man! It is badass. So it's not a film that people get give a lot of love to or talk about that much. So I just felt the need to stump for it a little bit here on this list because if you haven't yet, I just turned two people onto it from my uh, uh, who are patrons of mine, and they came back at me two days later like they fucking loved it, and it's. One of these films, it's a great action film, spares, like it just doesn't waste any time. You know what it is, and you're on this journey all the way to the end. And she's a fucking badass throughout this movie. Um, and you can remember that there was promise, like she had some promise uh, to possibly do other things. And it wasn't until Mandalorian came along that she really had a shot. And now, of course, she's kind of blew that and she's back at doing whatever she's going to do in the future. But there was a real shot at uh, something more. So 
But I like the movie, man. I, I think she's good. And I think Soderbergh got a great performance out of everybody in this movie. And I love the look of it, too. The kind of like yellowy haze yeah. throughout most of the movie. So, yeah. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Um, I was mm. impressed mm. walking out of it. Um, but I don't know that I've seen it all the way through since. I, mm. I know I've seen some of the what I visualized. Like I had forgotten Fastbender. Right. Uh, I remember the action sequences because mm-hmm. that's what stuck out all these years later because I haven't seen it in 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or however long it's been, depending on its release date, but roughly 10 years. Uh, and I got to say, I'm, I I was happy when she got ousted from uh, Mando because <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I just didn't think she was a good actress. Yeah, that's fair. Totally fair. Uh, I think some people talk themselves into how good she was. I think because the bar is so low for her that it's like if she can even do a believable moment you know you're like oh um and so i yeah but i hear you dude yes objectively i or subjectively i guess i agree with you yeah yeah i i I can go into detail as to what specifically about performance but when she got ousted i was like wow that 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 benefits me i don't know about (laughs) maybe as a viewer (laughs) if they recast i think that's an interesting character oh certainly Yes, a thousand percent. But uh, yeah, I, f- I just never. Did she have flashes? You're like, you yes. know, what, look at the camera, not quite break the fourth wall. But there'd be like a little smile and be like, there's some charm. Mm-hmm. I get. But uh, yeah, you're not really holding your own against a guy that can't even emote, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if, and you know, I get into some kind of psychology here. I wonder if, you know, she knew she couldn't hang with what people were bringing in this show and in a way the pressure of it all, maybe in some maybe. psychological, she like, you know, um, what do they call it? Self-sabotaged the situation so that she would get out of this pressure, uh, save her brand, play the martyr, play the victim and move on to the next thing, you know? And so there's a possibility there. Um, or she authentically just didn't just had issues with being on the show and felt the need to, you know, kind of push her political beliefs and have it be uh, so extreme and have it explode in her face. Man, I don't know. I don't know, but you know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, but I like this film. Haywire. What can I tell you? Yeah, maybe um, I need to see it again. I saw it on the. It's on my side list, mm. and I know we hadn't talked about it, but I was like, I just remember the action at this point. Yeah. Although yeah. I did like the action quite a bit, but I haven't seen it in so long. It's kind of hard to be honest about my opinion. So. Mm. The film starts and ends with the same line. Oh, shit. <laughs> Which I think oh, is that's interesting. Um, all right. I'm going to grab the bongos uh, and we're going to okay. put these this list together. So that's our top 10 uh, films. We haven't talked about that much. Yeah. So we have what? Ides of March in common. And that is it. So it's like four, seven, three, seven, four, seven, something like that. Yeah. All right. So Ides of March is the only thing we have in common. Okay. Number one. Do you want to do that at number one? Because I think yeah. it's what? Four for you? Yeah, sure. Why not? If it's the thing we have in common. Um, all right. So we both have our ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh I'll flip coin. And yeah. let me let me grab a coin too so we can take turns. Well, we okay. All right. 
We could flip coins the whole time, or we could say whoever wins this first one, then it's just a cascading effect. Oh, yeah. All right. That works. Okay. Like we go back and forth? Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be like if your one wins, then it goes my one, then my two, your two. Yep. Your three, good. my three, and we just do that back and forth. I like that idea. Let's do Instead it. Instead of flipping a coin eight times. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. That's. Oh, no. That's What's right. the Batman Superman? <sighs> two weeks in a row. What? So what is your fucking uh, number one again? What movie <laughs> what like, shouldn't be number one? I like that you're not angry about it. That's what I like. <laughs> I know. It's A-Y. fine. A-Y. A-Y. That's right. <laughs> uh, it was um, Ugly Child? Uh, young Adult. Or Young Adult, Ugly Child. Plus, she kind of was an ugly child, you know? <laughs> right. And that was your deuce. So then what's your three? Uh, my three is uh, the uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest. You just put beat, right? I assume. Yeah, that's what I'm putting down. Okay. All right. So then my three was Mortals, and then it would go my four. Your four already on. Um, so what's your five? Um, a five, uh, well, four was Ides of March. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. Sorry. Puss in Boots. Uh, All right. That's it. Done. Wow. That quickly. Boom. That easy, right. baby. Love it. Let's do it. Uh, all right. The top 10 films of 2011 that we barely talk about. Yeah. At number 10. Goon. At number nine. Puss in Boots. At oh. number eight. Oh. I'm sorry. Ten is the beaver. I'm an idiot. Okay. Let's start over again. At number ten. The beaver. At number nine. Puss in Boots. At number eight. Goon. At number seven. Immortals. At number six. Beats Rhymes and Life. At number five. Young Adult. At number four. Horrible Bosses. At number three. Limitless. At number two. Haywire. And our number one film from 2011 that we rarely talk about is. Is the Ides of March. The Ides of March. Beware. Beware. Um, All right. There's our list for this week. Hope you all enjoyed that little uh, left turn on a top ten list. Uh, Maybe some of yours got in here that normally probably wouldn't have gotten in here. Maybe we turned you on to some new films that you haven't seen from 10 years ago. So uh, hopefully, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Had a little fun. And thanks yeah. again to George Menchaca for that shirts, those shirts, brother. Yeah, they're great shirts and uh, congrats on the successful season man. turning a franchise around. Hopefully it just leads to more and more uh, success, but more importantly, like the kids are enjoying it uh, and they're yeah. getting something out of it. So are you. So uh, congrats and thank you for the shirts. Mm-hmm. Um Please uh, follow the show at Top Ten Show or on Instagram and YouTube. It is at Top Ten at the Top Ten Podcast with the number ten on Twitter. It's all spelled out at Top Ten Show, and uh, you can follow me at Matt Nose to check out uh, Settle the Score or uh, Dropping Dimes. And that is it for me this week.
Cool. Uh, you can follow me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and uh, don't forget my YouTube channel as well. YouTube.com slash John Roka says trying to get to 17,000 subscribers. So please come and get involved over there and see all the content we got going on as well. Uh, the geek buddies and the cinephiles uh, overall. All right. Thanks everybody. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Uh, hope you're getting vaccinated and we'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode of the top 10. Yeah.